0: You know, it was uh, about a year ago that the youth in our family, we were talking together and they said, you know, mother does messages for the women sometimes and father, you do messages for more kind of aimed at the husbands and they said, wouldn't it be nice if you got up and did something together? For the men and women together so that one message or one series has kind of both sides happening at the same time. That was really the impetus for us doing the series Marriage Heart to Heart. You know, children are a real motivator, aren't they? They've been a motivation to us from very young to help us really begin to seek God in ways that we had never understood to seek Him before. So, we're going to be doing one of those messages from the series today, Respect and Restraint. Now, I suppose all of you know the definitions of respect in the marriage relationship and proper restraint in the marriage, but we're going to share together in some simple and practical ways. I'd like to open with a very classic example of Respect and Restraint. Now, you don't know yet whether it's going to be a good example or a bad example, (laughs) but it's a driving example, and all of us can relate to driving at some point, at least the the married people here, right? And we were driving home from Wisconsin back to Illinois one day, and there was a lot of traffic. If you've ever driven back into the Chicago area, then you know what I mean by a lot of traffic? (laughs) A lot of traffic. And I was looking for one of those shortcuts. Husbands, have you ever heard of a shortcut? <laughs> now, what do you wives think of shortcuts? Okay. Well, I, I saw one of those shortcuts, and then I'll let my wife go on from here.
1: Well, I saw the traffic, and I saw this sign, and I saw my husband starting to make his way for that exit. And I said, Honey, do you know where you're going?
0: It's a pretty basic question, isn't it? (laughs) Honest question? What did did I say, man? Thank you. (laughs) You all know the right answer.
1: Verbatim, you said it.
0: (laughs) That's exactly what I have right here. Of course I do. And I was very reassuring to her that I knew where I was going.
1: Well, we drove for quite a while, and um, the further we drove, the more unfamiliar things began to look to me. So, of course, in my heart, I said, Honey, are you sure you know where you're going?
0: Okay, man. <laughs> Well, at this point now, even though I didn't understand a lot of the things that I understand today, I knew something was agitating in my heart. Have you experienced that, men? Can't exactly put your finger on it, but you know something is agitating. Well, I can tell you what was agitating me. Because, you see, my wife just happens to be one of these people that she can drive somewhere one time. If it's daylight. And she can find her way back there again in five years if i'm attentive if she's really paying attention okay i'm the type of person that i can drive there half a dozen times and if i'm not really paying close attention then somebody's going to have to tell me how to get there the seventh time and she knows that and now i've gotten a lot better at that by the way but i knew that my wife was very good with her directions and i had one of those little promptings That i didn't really recognize i think we recognize them then but that i didn't respond to the way that i know how to respond to them today and so instead of just saying i humble myself (laughs) i don't know where i'm going really i just had to keep up that you know that facade that everything's going to be okay
1: well i was pretty unsure that he knew where he was going And so I made one of those classic suggestions that went something like this. Honey, why don't we just pull off and ask somebody where we are? You ever said that, wives?
0: (laughs) Now, why is this so common to humanity? It is, isn't it? And that's why we use a simple illustration. Because I didn't really want to pull off and ask. Because there's something about us that... We want to be able to do it ourselves. Isn't that the self-management? Isn't that what's in us? And it's really in all of us. It's not just, it just happens in these scenarios that it quite often happens that that's that's the role the husband takes and the wife is the one saying, but honey, you know, it'll only take a minute. Can we just pull off? Well, I wasn't too happy about that. So I told her, get the map out, because she's a good map leader, (laughs)
1: So I obeyed. him. <laughs> well, he did also say, there's no place to pull off. There's nobody to ask. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so I got the map out, and I started looking at the map, and I started trying to look at the signage and try to compare the two. And I could not to figure out where we were, even with the map in my hands.
0: Now, that was my opportunity, then, to blame her. <laughs> <laughs> because don't we look for that opportunity? It can't be my fault. And that's, where did that start? Do you remember, brothers? Who taught that kind of spirit back in the Garden of Eden? The The enemy of our souls. And it started way back then. We look for somebody to blame. And I'm saying, well, honey, you know, you're supposed to be able to read the map. You know, find out where we are
1: and i really did try to figure it out but i couldn't and and the four-lane road we started on was now a narrow two-lane way out in the middle of the country which neither one of us had any idea where we were
0: and i have to admit that in all reality that two-lane road went down to nothing (laughs) We were out in the middle of... I don't even know corn where we fields. were. Cornfields. She probably knows better than <laughs> well, I do. Well, I
1: remember with cornfields. We were
0: out there, and I, ha- I was brought to the place that God likes to bring us when we're stubbornly in self. You know where that place is? The place where we can't go any further. Sometimes it's in a pit of despair. Sometimes, I don't know what the circumstances are for your situation, but the Lord brought me to the place where... What could I say? I'm lost. I'm lost. <laughs> I was lost. But let's back up for a moment. What if I would have had just some basic respect for my wife? Just some basic respect for the fact that she does know her directions and has a better handle on directions than I do. What if I would have just had some basic respect for that? Would that have made a difference? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) what if i would have exercised a little bit of restraint because was the spirit calling to me even though we can stay, say to you today we didn't understand it like we do today do we understand it friends do our children understand it mm-hmm. when we find a child standing behind the curtain with his toes sticking out under the curtain Do they have a conscience? Mm -hmm. When they've got the cookie back there and they know they're not supposed to be eating cookies this time of day, it's because they know the difference, don't they? It doesn't have to be explained. And that's the way it is with us as adults. Even though we may not understand all that experience of how God speaks to us, I knew that my spirit wasn't right towards my wife. I knew that I could show her better respect and I could be restrained in my conversation. But I wasn't choosing that.
1: And to be honest with you, I wasn't uh, respecting my husband either. I started to blame him for being lost. And I asked you, did you not know where we were? I suggested to you that we stop and ask somebody for directions. And you know the spirit of blame starts immediately, doesn't it? And I started to blame him for being lost because here we are out in the middle of nowhere and didn't know which way to go. Could turn around and go try to find our way back. But um, that's where we found ourselves. We were at a dead-end road, and we were at one another.
0: Now, I'd like to suggest, husbands, at this point, that when we find ourselves lacking respect for our spouse, when we find ourselves in that situation, that what happens is, and this is what typically happens, if we're in the flesh, we're, we're not in the Lord, We have a real lack of appreciation for the things that we should appreciate in our wives or husbands, whichever way, but I'm speaking to husbands here, coupled with very high expectations with no expectations upon ourselves. Don't you understand that? (laughs) Okay? We often do this. We, We put ourselves in a situation where we begin to show a dominance over our wives that is not real leadership. What I mean by that is, back in my old days, when we would get to a place where we ran into a dead end like this, not just at the end of a road, but when we would get a dead end in our experience, when I wasn't respecting my wife, when I wasn't allowing the Spirit to restrain me, then I would go to dominance. I would say, when all else failed, it says, wives... Submit yourselves, therefore, unto your husband, as unto the Lord. That is male dominance when all else fails. Now, with that was no expectation of myself, because what does it say there in that same chapter? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. And did what? Gave. So there's a male dominance that's really not leadership. There's a male expectation that's really not the priest of the home in drawing on the wife.
1: You know, as we shared this, I think many of you could identify with it. Maybe you haven't been out in the cornfields, but you understand what we're talking about in these kind of situations that happen in marriages. The lack of respect for one, one spouse or the other, and then when that's there, the lack of restraint. And, you know, we can laugh about it. And we can laugh about it now because that happened more than 16 years ago. But these kind of little situations are happening too often, sometimes daily in homes, between husbands and wives. And it's breaking down their marriages. It's becoming destructive. And it's very painful and very hurtful.
0: Why do you think it is, men, that we have this improper concept of authority? This this misunderstanding of of what real leadership in the home is. You know, I was driving, I was riding with some people one time, and as we were going along, there was a rock I had in the road, a fairly good-sized rock. It's a gravel road, right? I used to deal in in, uh, properties that were way out and remote, and this was one of those areas where... The road was not your typical nice road. It wasn't even just a good gravel road. It was a bad situation. And there was this big rock there. And the wife saw this rock and simply said to her husband, Honey, you know, there's a rock there in the road. Now, what do you think the husband said? Wives? Wives answer now on this one. What do you think the husband said? A little louder. Okay, let's tell them what the, what the answers were here.
1: Well, who's driving? <laughs> I've got eyes, don't you think I can see it? I mean, isn't that how our flesh responds?
0: Now, that is the typical fleshly improper dominance that's shown often in the male Perspective in the husband role. Now, what happens? What happens if the wife, because of these kind of experiences, now puts her lips tightly closed and the next rock she sees, she doesn't say a word. Now her husband is busy in conversation. He hits the rock on his tie rod. What does he say? Yeah. What's the matter? Why didn't you tell me there was a rock there? Whose fault is it? The wife's again. It becomes the wife's fault. Does that, does that make for a difficult marriage situation, friends? Mm-hmm. Now these examples are so basic that we can laugh at them. But a lot of what's happening in marriages today, brothers and sisters, is destroying the home. Mm-hmm. Men and women are getting in these little things. And it's, I'm using some very simple ma- masculine examples, but it works the other way mm-hmm. with the nagging wife picking at the husband. And what happens pretty soon? The communication becomes so poor that the marriage begins to break down and it's happening all over the world, friends. And it's these kinds of things and the lack of proper respect, the lack of proper restraint that are destroying marriages. And the marriages, the people that we talk to that are in separation or that are breaking down, over and over again, when we look at what started causing it, do you know what it was? The little things. The little things that kept building up. The little lack of of real respect and restraint.
1: so, would you like to have a marriage that's happy, that's fulfilling, that's joyful? Amen. Tom and I wanted that. We recognized Amen. that we were finding ourselves into these kind of difficulties. And, I mean, we could share numerous examples. But the, the, what came to our hearts was we're just like at each other. It was like almost to see who could be a little bit quicker quicker-witted, uh, something to say, who could be a little stronger, more dominant, more whatever. And our marriage wasn't very uh, good. Not, not when we understand what God says our marriage could be. And uh-huh. we, we recognized that we were really destroying ourselves and one another. And it was a painful thing. And I'm so thankful that God showed us the direction that we were heading, and showed us that we didn't have to be like that. Amen. That He wanted to show us a better way. He wanted us to have a marriage that was happy and fulfilling, what we call marriage that's heart-to-heart. The two of us working together and blending our lives to become one in heart and in mind. And He brought us to this area of the lack that we were having for each other in respect and restraint. He helped us to see that this was an area we were having difficulty with, and he identified it in our thoughts and in our communication. And then we began to seek the Lord to cultivate respect and restraint in the marriage. So we'd like to define for you respect. Because I think sometimes when we hear a word, we have a certain idea that pops into our mind, don't we? But it's been very helpful for me and my Christian growth to take words that I'm very familiar with, phrases that I've heard all my life, and to really understand a definition that goes much deeper than mm-hmm. my superficial understanding and my experience. So when we looked up respect, it means that I will regard my husband with pleasure. Now I understand differently what uh, respect is. I am regarding my husband with pleasure. I look favorably upon him when we are at the end of the road in the cornfields. <laughs> I esteem my husband with worth. Was I esteeming my husband? No, not when we were out in the cornfields. I didn't have much esteem for him. I esteemed myself, my abilities, but I didn't esteem him. But true respect will help me to esteem my husband.
0: Now, if you look at these in terms of 1 Corinthians 13, because it's interesting, as we entered our marriage, we made a commitment to always read 1 Corinthians 13. We started it the night that we were married, on our wedding night. We read it in our motel room before we went on a honeymoon. We determined that we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13 every night. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, we put the book away after a while. We actually had a book that had 30 versions of 1 Corinthians 13. We just realized that it wasn't working. So I want to share with you now what she's just spoken here in very human terms. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is kind. That it seeketh not her own. You see, in the situation of us being lost, we weren't very kind to each other, were we? Mm -hmm. We weren't really regarding each other with pleasure. We weren't seeking to understand each other, I was seeking myself. She was seeking herself. And so, love seeketh not her own. And when we come to the end of the road, and we're sitting there next to the cornfield, love did not suffer long. <laughs> At all. For any of us. And that's why we put the book away. Yeah, we can read it in 30 different versions, but we're not getting it in any of them. <laughs> It's not getting through to us in any of the translations. So let's put it away. Now, that's really not what God wants us to do, is mm-hmm. it?
1: And I'm that thankful. didn't work either, did it? it? Didn't
0: work. I'm thankful that God doesn't put us away as quickly as we put Him away sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because God wants to continue to suffer with us, doesn't He? And He's seeking us and He's finding us.
1: But as God began to show us it was that lack of respect for each other, we then began to cultivate respect. For the other I began to cultivate respect in my heart for my husband and recognizing that he God wanted to take these two very independent lives and he wanted to blend them together for the benefit of both of us Amen. and to his honor and glory and as we begin to cooperate with God and surrender our hearts to him to control us and to begin to practice, respect one for another in our home our marriage began to be different
0: i want to just challenge you with a thought here when we're talking about losing that independent spirit don't confuse that with losing individuality do you understand the difference god wants to deal with our independent thinking okay he wants to deal with the me focus and bring it to the us focus. Do you understand the difference? He's not trying to take away our individuality. If my wife became like me, it would be a pretty sad situation in marriage because God makes women to think differently, to, to express their affections differently, to have a tenderness in, in their bonds with the children and all those things. God is not asking us to lose our individuality. God is asking us to get away from this me-independent, Focus that we often have when we come into situations that we don't see eye to eye on.
1: And we begin to understand that why God wanted us to cultivate respect. Respect alone wasn't enough. Amen. That it also required restraint. In other words, true having a marriage that's truly heart to heart means I respect my husband and I'm willing to restrain my own self, my desires. That means... I will hinder, that's the dictionary definition, I will hinder what I would naturally do or what I would want to do. Why? Because I respect and love my husband. That means my thoughts, to restrain those, those negative thoughts that come into our minds, wives. How come my husband did this? Why would he do that? And then the mind can go off on all this negative channel to not allow that, to restrain that. It means to restrain my physical words or my actions or reactions to situations. It means that we must restrain our passions and have all of them surrendered, ourselves surrendered to Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Now I'm going to take that and put it again in Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13. That means that we're not easily provoked. Do you ever feel easily provoked? (laughs) that's one of those little barometers. You know, I love the way that God can make something so concise in a little package. And when He gives us the love chapter, when He gives us the uh, fruits of the Spirit, they're little packages, aren't they? And when we have the Spirit reigning in us, those things happen as a fruit of that. And when when we don't let the Spirit have us, then... We're letting the flesh reign, So, we're not easily provoked. And if we find ourselves continually being provoked, then we're not really surrendered to the Spirit. And it does not behave itself unseemly. Okay? That means that when my wife here is talking about something that she respects in me, even though in her own heart she wants it, she's going to choose, if under the guidance of the Spirit, out of respect for me thinking of the us focus instead of the me focus she's gonna be restrained under the spirit and not do something that is unseemly
1: I'd like to share with you a little um, illustration that really came home to my heart when I was a young girl I had a cat our family had a cat and I really like cats I mean really I think they're adorable especially little kittens with the long fur and the, the real pretty eyes. and Oh, I just love cats. And when Tom and I were courting, when we were engaged, we talked about when we got married, would we have animals, okay? And we thought it would be, you know, sometime in our marriage life, married life, we'd have animals. And of course, what kind of animal do you think I wanted to have? A cat. What kind of animal do you think he wanted to have? You've got it. And I really wanted a cat, and he wanted a dog, so we ended up with nothing, because we didn't agree. And it wasn't really convenient for us. It was just kind of an add-on. So we left that off for a while. But you know, whenever you go to a store, not every time, but often you could go to a store, a grocery store, a discount store, and there would be somebody outside that store with a box and a big sign on that box. And what did that sign say? Free. Oh. <laughs> And I would go and I would look at those little kittens, those irresistible, cute little kittens, and I would just think, oh, I'd really like to have one. They are so cute. But I knew that my husband really didn't want to have a cat. And because I respected his preference, see, it's not wrong to like cats and it's not wrong to like dogs. But because I loved him and I wanted, and I wanted to respect him... I would deny myself the temptation to get one of those free kittens and come home and say, but honey, it was just free. It was a real bargain. <laughs> and the reason I use this example is because I have talked to many wives. And it's very, it saddens my heart very much when I see it's little things like this, that lack of re- respect for the husband and the wife won't restrain herself. Because I've had wives tell me, well, my husband really didn't want this animal, but I did it for the children. That's right. And what is that? What communication does that give the children? It tells them that mother does not respect her husband, and she's not willing to restrain herself. She's going to do what she feels like doing, and not only that, she's going to give the children and make them accountable for her own unrestrained desires. Because my children all like those free kittens, too. And when they can start to read, Mother, they're free! Yes, but we don't need to have one now.
0: I should just... Just for the record, I, I do like cats. Yes, you do. I mean, I, I, I pet them. <laughs> but to me, they're not irresistible. <laughs> I can resist them. <laughs> What we're talking about here is manifestations, as inspiration calls it, manifestations of self-will which destroy the peace and the happiness of a home. Mm -hmm. When there are these things that we differ on, when there is not a willingness for real restraint, you know what the Lord has helped us to recognize that true restraint and true respect is really based in the principles of God's Word. Amen. If, if I can't find a good reason to say no to my wife, the Lord takes me back and reworks my thinking. And my wife respects me because she knows that if there's something that's important to make a decision on, that I will go back and look for the principles of God's Word to make my decision. Not just on what I've grown up with in my baggage, or what my background has been, or my likes and dislikes, she knows she can trust that I will go back and I will seek for the answers in God's word and on my knees. If we give these self-willed manifestations that demonstrate that I'm going to do it my way, no respect to my spouse, no restraint of myself, what does that begin to do in a marriage relationship? Destroys it. Destroys it. It destroys the peace and happiness of a home. And unfortunately, when the peace and happiness of today's modern homes starts to be broken down, it's too easy to get out of marriage today. And that's just a sad fact. Back in the 20s, people did, did not get out of marriages as easy as they do today. Did you know that? When they got married, marriage worked. And if it didn't work, They worked on it until it worked. They didn't just break up and go their separate ways because they weren't operating the same way that our generation has allowed everybody to operate with a self-will.
1: So let's talk about solutions. You like solutions? It's easy to identify problems, isn't it? But identifying problems is not enough. God has the solutions. And when we started facing ourselves on our knees with God, and He began to show us, He not only showed us our problems, but I thank Him that He began to show us His solutions to our problems. And today we're going to share two solutions that the Lord brought to us in this avenue of respect and restraint in the marriage relationship.
0: You know, one of the things God began to show us is if we're going to change all the things we've been doing out of habit, and we've developed a lot of bad habits over the years, haven't we? Haven't all of us developed bad habits? Lord showed us if we're going to change some of these habits, we need to cultivate new habits. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to say, well, I'm going to be kind now. Okay? It's not enough to say, I'm going to be long-suffering now. It's not enough to just even have our hearts cleansed now. Remember the... Man that had his spirits cleansed out of him, and what happened?
1: They were it was never replaced. Never replaced with anything.
0: And so they came in seven times worse to destroy his life. So we came to recognize we need to start cultivating a different spirit in our marriage. What does it mean to cultivate? To start working with, to start training in and building some new principles to work off of, and we determined. That we were going to start cultivating the spirit of real kindness, that I'll do unto you what I wish that you would do unto me and start cultivating that kind of kindness? Amen. I'll give you a simple example. Because sometimes we, again, we men, we can, we can hear these things, we can talk about them. I'll give you a simple example. In Montana, we had our speed limit repealed, okay? When, when it went through in the country a few years ago that the speed limit would no longer be 55 federally, Montana had it on the books that the day that law was reversed, Montana would go back to its old laws of what was called reasonable and prudent. That's what the sign says. Reasonable and prudent. doesn't have a speed limit sign on it anymore. Okay, So for many of us, that was a real delight. <laughs> And so, what I did on the highways that I called reasonable and prudent varied just ever so slightly <laughs> from my wife at times. Because what I felt was reasonable and prudent was not necessarily her definition of reasonable and prudent. you understand that? Sure, the wives do. <laughs> Husbands do too, right? Because I felt that when the roads were clear, dry, good visibility, that this speed was reasonable and prudent. I won't tell you what that speed was. (laughs) But when my wife drove the same highway, the 65 miles, and the same stretches of the road, she had a different standard on those clear, bright, beautiful days. So as we were riding along together and I was driving, (laughs) my wife gently suggested to me that maybe I should drive a little slower through this one section of the road. And the immediate thought that came into my mind, I'm just being honest with you, okay? The immediate thought that came into my mind is I'm driving, she's riding with me, and... She should submit to me when I'm driving. that, That thought just went through my mind, that little series of thoughts. But then the Lord called to my heart. And friends, we need to learn how to wait long enough to hear what the Lord says after self gets done talking. Do you understand? We really do. And if we will pause and keep the mouth shut just a little bit longer, the Spirit will follow the self. Although the Spirit is really always there, but mm-hmm. self is very loud and boisterous in our, in our minds. And the Spirit came in and reminded me of what we could do to cultivate. And I didn't have to cause my wife to submit. I'm happy to say to you that I could have turned to my wife and I could have said, Honey, just increase your faith. Just you're all right, you're, you're rest in the hands of the Lord. I could have told her just to relax and, and just trust me and ignored her request to me, but the Lord told me what I needed to do, and that was that I could respect my wife's wishes, that I could make life comfortable for her. She wasn't asking me anything unreasonable. She wasn't asking me a hard thing. all she was asking me was if I would drive a little slower when she was in the car with me, the Lord said, that's reasonable. The sign says reasonable and prudent. And so for my wife's sake, I chose to slow down. And it was so sweet. And I wish you men would cultivate more of it because the more I cultivate it, the happier my marriage is. And the more I cultivate it, the more my wife cultivates it. And you know, we can never outgive give each other. That's right. Now, when I'm driving by myself, I still have what's reasonable for me. Now, and I want to be very careful. I don't want to give anybody improper license here today. When I'm speaking of what I believe is reasonable, I am not unwilling to consult the Lord Amen. about the reasonableness of it. Okay? I'm not talking about foolish driving. I'm talking about what's reasonable for me, my driving skills, the way I see the road, the way I see the hazards and all that versus my wife. And there can be a difference, can't there? Mm -hmm. But men, if we would learn that true manliness, true leadership is not bringing our wife into submission. True leadership is bringing ourselves under the command of Jesus Christ and saying, Lord what would you have me to do? That is the fastest way I have found to bring my wife to submission is to bring myself under submission to the divine call of Christ.
1: Well, cultivating kindness can be done in all areas of your marriage. Now, one of the areas that the Lord called to my heart to respect my husband and restrain myself and cultivate that kindness had to do with the flower beds outside. Now, I love lilies, and I did a lot of study in all the books about the kind of plants you can grow in Montana that the deer don't like to eat, and lilies was one of them. They say they're deer resistant. So we created this huge flower bed outside on on our driveway, nice circular, kind of a moon-shaped flower bed with a, a round circle inside of the half moon. So, it's lots of curves in it. It was very lovely, and I filled it with lily bulbs. And it was beautiful. What well, was supposed to be beautiful. I had all colors of lilies out there, but you know the spring came. You should plant the lily bulbs in the fall, in Montana at least. So, I put them all in. My children helped me. We got all these flower, this flower bed done, and, and we could hardly wait for the spring for these lilies to pop up and to open up and just beautify the yard with their color. And come the spring, and the lilies popped out of the ground, and the deer came by, and they started chomping them down. And we didn't have, I don't think, hardly a lily that whole summer. They just kept coming back and eating them. So my husband, loving me, I said, Honey, let's put a fence around this. Well, first we tried some of these these methods, you know, keep the deer out without having to fence it. Those didn't work either. So then we tried fencing it. Now, have you ever tried to fence uh, a circular or half a circle? kind of a moon shape with another circle inside of it. It's very difficult. But my husband got some fencing and some stakes, and he went out there and staked this four-foot wired fence up around there to please me, to make me happy because he loved me and he wanted to do it for me because he knew the flowers were important to me. And I thought that was wonderful. But then the grass started to grow, and it goes right up along the nice rocks. We have it all rocked around the edges. And so then we had to take the fences down, and we had to bring in the mower and the weed eater. And I could get the fences down without any problem. You just pull one stake, and they, <laughs> and they roll up, you know, and they go down the driveway. That was easy. But I couldn't get them put back up. So every time we mowed, we had to, I had to get my husband to come out there, and, or he would go out there with the children, and we'd have to put these fences back up. And after a year or two of that, he made a suggestion that maybe the fences weren't such a good idea. Maybe I should move my flower bulbs. But I like the lilies there. And they looked pretty when they bloomed. But he was saying, can you see the beauty of the flowers with all this fencing around? I mean, it was kind of tacky looking. I mean, you know, to try to make it, you know, something was portable in and, out, in and out of the ground about every week. So anyway, the Lord called to my heart. I wanted to, to please my husband. I respected his time. I respected his wishes because I was consuming a lot of time every summer, a couple summers in a row, with him having to come and re those flower beds. So one fall after two years of this, I went out there and with a happy heart, I said, I'm going to move all those lilies out of here. And my children and I, we dug up all the lilies and we transplanted them into the vegetable gardens, which have eight-foot fences all the way around, so they are deer-proof. Because I respected my husband, I restrained my own desires and wishes, and we moved all that out so that he didn't have to use his time to put these fences up every time we mowed. And I know it seems simple, but it's in the little things that we really show how much we care for the other person. I've redeemed hours a summer for him not having to put these fences back up. And it's brought me the greatest joy, cultivating that kindness towards my husband.
0: You know, some of the simplest things. What we're talking about here is not something complicated to take home. It's not some difficult theological principle. We're suggesting to every one of you that you simply be willing to cultivate kindness towards your spouse. That means if you're sensitive to the Spirit, that before you sleep tonight that you will have several opportunities to cultivate kindness in ways that you've never done it possibly to your spouse. And can you imagine the electricity in a marriage where two people walk out of a meeting and they are committed to cultivating one little thing in their marriage before they go to bed tonight? A husband and a wife who are both committed to cultivate some kindness towards each other, can you imagine what could happen just in the next few hours? Think about it. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could be reaping joys that you have not experienced in your marriage in weeks mm-hmm. or months or years possibly just by cultivating kindness towards your spouse in respect and restra- restraint. Well, number two. The second thing we're going to talk about is... In Another principle that's not very complicated in theory, but it is very tough in practice. The principle is be determined never, what's that word? Never. Never to injure the other person. Watch well your words. Be determined never to injure the other person. Watch well your words. You see, too many times, it's too easy to let those words slip out, which can be very hurtful to the other person. You want to share that phone call?
1: Well, we had a phone call come in. We get lots of phone calls in our house, but this one particular one, Tom and I were both on the phone, And we were both listening to this couple, and they had some things they wanted to talk about, some hard, difficult things they were going through in their marriage. And um, as I was listening on the phone, I was having thoughts of things to share that would encourage the wife in in relationship to respect and restraint. And he was listening, and I know he had ideas. Now, his phone was downstairs, and my phone is upstairs at the desk.
0: Well... I wanted to be able to just take care of this call very simply, quickly, quickly, and be done with it. But when I finished with what I felt was necessary to take care of to resolve the situation, I became aware that my wife wanted to get into some other things. And I found myself wanting to Go upstairs, hang up my end of the phone. (laughs) Because I said what I felt needed to be said, and I wanted to go upstairs, and I wanted to cut my wife short on this. It wasn't necessary. She didn't need to say these things. I had already covered what needed to be said. Well, as I was in the process of doing this, now I wasn't having a bad spirit, although that's a bad spirit, isn't it? (laughs) But I mean, I wasn't meaning it in a malicious way. Right. I just thought, you know, we've taken care of the business. What's been taken care of, is, it's done. Well, as I was going to politely end the phone conversation, yeah, that's how I do it. If I can't do anything else, I just go.
1: It means cut.
0: <laughs> that's the end. And so as I was approaching to do that, the Spirit called to my heart. And said, don't do that. You need to respect the difference in your wife. Okay? You hear that? You need to respect the difference in your wife. And so instead of going like this and giving the cutoff signal, I listened. And I really listened. And I thought, "Ah, oh, now I understand why I shouldn't have gone cut What she shared was very valuable to the hearts of those two people. came from a totally different perspective. It wasn't just dealing with a principle and being done. It was taking that principle and sharing from the tenderness of her heart. And it was a blessing to these people. And when she got off the phone, I told her what I almost did. And how thankful I was that I didn't do it. We need to cultivate that respect not to injure needlessly the other person
1: you know we are creatures of terrible habits aren't we and one of the old habits that I had was to be very quick with my tongue it was almost like in some situations to see who could say or get in the last word to kind of come out one step above the other have you ever had that experience have you ever struggled with that Witticisms, we call them. That's, you know, they're not what God wants to do. He says, keep our tongues from speaking evil and guile. God wants to control our tongues. And I have been sensitive to this weakness in my character. And for years, God has been helping to tame my tongue. Why? Because we've made an agreement that we would not injure the other person with our words. To respect them and to restrain our own words, our own thoughts, our desires that want to find expression. And the Lord has given me tremendous victory and I've been encouraged to see the growth over the years. But you know we are never safe if we don't have Christ. Mm -hmm. And we can have Christ and we can let go of Him in situations so quickly it can shock us in reality. And that's the experience I had. It was about a year ago, when we were with a group of uh, for a Sabbath fellowship down at a beautiful lake. And we were all going to meet there in the morning, and we were going to have a special Sabbath service. And it was going to be just a wonderful highlight Sabbath. And we were looking forward to it, and we got there, and Grandpa, we had Grandpa with us, and he came along. But, you know, it was very cold by the lake. It was over in Glacier National Park, and it gets pretty cold there. Even in the morning, I mean, even, you know, by 10 o'clock, it's still chilly. And we'd gotten out. We were all sitting down ready to start. And uh, I noticed that Grandpa looked like he was cold. He was kind of, you know, tucking his arms in and kind of curling up. And so I, said, I mentioned to Tom, I said, I think your dad's cold. Why don't you go to the car and bring a sweater? So Tom got up and he went out to the car and he brought Grandpa's sweater and he brought it back. And then he starts to help his dad put the sweater on. It was one of those over-the-head ones, I think. Is that right?
0: And he'd had a stroke.
1: And he'd had a stroke. Grandpa had a stroke just a few months before that. So he didn't have the ability and the mobility of his limbs the way he normally would have. And when Tom was helping a mom with the sweater, I don't remember now exactly what happened. Kind of got tangled up. (laughs) But when he was all done, the sweater was like cockeyed on Grandpa. And immediately out of my mouth came these words. Nothing like having your son help you put your sweater on. And it was said with sarcasm. It was said... It was cruel. It was cruel words. And as soon as I spoke it, the Spirit called to my heart. Now, the only person, people that I know heard it was Grandpa and my husband. But as soon as those words were spoken, I, I felt the power of God coming to me like, How could you say that about your husband? He loves his father. He's trying to help his father. And here you're tearing him down he doesn't have a sweater put on him right. And my heart just, I felt that conviction and I felt the spirit calling to me. And I, was, I felt so bad for making my husband look that way and even saying those words. And I told him, honey, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And I apologized to grandpa. And I share that example because we are not safe without Christ. We just have to be out of him for a moment And that old flesh, even though it may be something we haven't been dealing with for three or four years, those kind of crude comments, they can come back so quickly. And it really taught me a lesson that we need to watch well our words, that we do not injure the other in the marriage.
0: It's interesting that it had been so long since anything like that had happened, where those kind of comments had been made that it it almost went over my head. (laughs) To be honest with you, it didn't have the hurting effect because I knew that just wasn't my wife. That just something had slipped in there. But life and death are in our tongues. Do you know that, friends? Mm-hmm. Proverbs tells us that, in 18, Proverbs 18.21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if we could take these two principles and cultivate in a living connection with Christ, cultivate kindness towards one another amen. and cultivate that we are not going to injure one another with our tongues i'll tell you it, it transforms a marriage it will make a powerful difference and i know all of us the reason we're here one of the reasons we're here is because we want to have christ centered marriages
1: amen
0: we want to be living christians isn't that why we're here And if we will take those two simple principles and before you go to bed tonight, I guarantee you that every marriage here will have an opportunity to practice cultivating simple kindnesses to one another and restraining your tongue by the grace of God from speaking words that can slip out to injure your spouse. This media was brought to you by Audioverse